Hey kids, Scott Gardner of Two True Freaks here. If you're going to be anywhere remotely near Orlando, Florida on March 25th through 27th, then get your ass to Megacon! Megacon 2011 is happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 25th through the 27th at the Orange County Convention Center, Hall D, 9800 International Drive in sunny, magical Orlando, Florida. One-day tickets are $23.96 in advance or only $25 at the door. Three-day tickets are $56.45 in advance or only $60 at the door. Kids 10 and under are free with paid adult. Just some of the incredible array of media and comic book guests include William Shatner, Stan Lee, My spidey sense is tingling. George Perez, Michael Dorn, Lou Ferrigno, Robin Curtis, Jonathan Frakes, Gil Gerard, Aaron Gray, Cindy Morgan, John Schneider, Marina Sirtis, Kevin Sorbo, Mark Bagley, J. Scott Campbell, Howard Chaikin, Frank Cho, Amanda Connor, Darwin Cook, Michael Golden, the man who ruined the entire DC Universe, Jeff Johns, Ron Mars, Denny O'Neill, Jimmy Palmiotti, Roy Thomas, Mark Wade, my bestest pal in the whole universe, Bruce Boxleitner, and many, many, many more. Can you afford to miss out on all this awesomeness? I think not. Say it with me, William Shatner. That's Mega in Orlando, Florida, March 25th through the 27th. Be there. I will be. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Walking Dead. Hello and welcome to Walking Dead Wednesday, number 12. I am Chris Honeywell, and I am joined with my fellow freaks, Scott Gardner. Brains. Michael Bailey. Brains you have. And Sean Engel. Oh, delicious brains. (laughs) (laughs) And it is a brain-tacular episode this month because we are covering episode or episode issue number 48 of the walking dead one of the most uh, crazy talked about issues of this comic or many comics in many years this is a insane issue we got going here you know if we were uh the type of podcast to actually start recording this have some technical difficulties and then start recording uh-huh. again like we've never done anything i think we would have been the type of podcast to discuss how like insane everybody reacted to this issue when it first came out uh because for for me it was right after i started buying it monthly so because i'm the guy that read the first like six trades and thought i can still read it and trade and then got to the end of the the last trade i had bought and it was the governor breaking through on the tank and i went no fuck you i'm uh <laughs> i gotta go monthly on, on the this way bad to the boy. comic shop not, yeah yeah <laughs> well that's sort of so that if, 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 you know if we were that kind of podcast we probably would have talked about where um how i read this issue because i think scott fired me off a cryptic email that was just like holy shit did you read issue number 48 which i had not and i immediately felt like the you know my stomach drop you know just danger in the pit of my stomach got on my bike and rode to the comic shop because i knew since since he said absolutely nothing about it i knew it had to be just horrifying (laughs) and i wasn't even prepared for what i got i was kind of in the same boat as michael i I was I caught on to it, you know, after you guys sort of dropped it from the Comics Monthly Monday segment, and I went and picked up the compendium, and the compendium was basically issues one through forty-eight compiled in this giant like thousand-page tome, and I, I blew through that in just a matter of days, and when I finally got to issue forty-eight here, I was so uh, taken aback by what happened in the issue that I realized that this is something that I've got to start collecting. I cannot just wait until uh, a trade comes out. I've got to get this, you know, when it comes out the next time, because uh, it, you know, Scott mentioned in the mythical uh, uh, 
show that we did that was kind of lost to the ether just you know a mere 10 minutes ago that really didn't happen that this is a game changing or that they use uh, the word game changing can be used for uh, shows like or for episodes or issues like this and yes definitely game changing is a word that you can use here I think with this particular issue, I, I think it really strikes maybe maybe for the first time, despite all the 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 cast that were lost so far, you know, you had Shane and and Tyrese and uh, Axel and just all the different people that we'd become attached to and then seen die, that somehow miraculously, we still just weren't getting the message that <laughs> anybody and everybody was, you know, up for grabs. Anybody any could buy time. it in this yeah. series at any time. And I think with this particular issue, that really hits home. That you finally realize, oh my God, Kirkman wasn't kidding. And uh, I think that's what's so powerful about this one is that he he goes that far, you know, and, and, and we'd also seen horrific things up till now. I mean, you know, come on, it's about the zombie apocalypse, but even with that, you know, with it being about the zombie apocalypse, Kirkman still managed to present us with some, some horror that, you know, we'd never seen before and did some things. Well, does anybody, do you guys remember, does anybody actually die at the hands of a zombie in this comic? Um, yeah. Um, did it what, what's at her the name end. what's her the 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 guy they had the kids and they were in the house and the woman died because she got bit by a zombie and he freaked out and then he died i'm forgetting his name donna and um oh, what was his name yeah i i can't think of who you're talking but i yeah. think she i think she was bit no no i mean in this issue in this oh, particular in this issue. Issue. oh i thought you meant the series yeah i don't i think i you know this one's is horrific things have happened in the series, but I think pretty much all the horror being meted out in this yeah, is being meted out yeah, human, human to human. human. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of zombies yeah, in here. Take, unless you want to take what happened at the end of the book where, where, where the people are going back into the prison as people getting eaten by zombies, but that's all off screen. Yes, this is all man's inhumanity to other man. Well, that's that's something what we'll likely talk about after the synopsis is as I wonder about those people that you're referring to, because in the official list, you know, if you look at the official list that's kept online for the you know the characters of the series, you know, those characters you're talking about are still listed as unknown. Well, you know, their their fate. Lily, we don't know what's Lily's become of. Lily's had a book about her, so. Yeah, right it exactly could possibly be another you could we could possibly have another book sometime about <clears throat> um the second wave of people <laughs> in the prison you know right exactly because uh yeah and the the timing of this is awesome because we sort of the the last uh ish episode of uh walking dead wednesday was uh bill robinson and i talking about uh the um Oh, what was the second? Uh, the Road, Road to Woodbury, Woodbury. Uh, which which introduced a character Lily, who we'll see again and see for the first time in the comics in this issue. Right. And the TV show is sort of the timeline of the TV show is roughly lining up with concurrent. With, yeah. With this, so I'm in in quite a gunfight at the OK Corral prison mood. All of a sudden, you know, it's all sort of hitting at once. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of said synopsis. Maybe. All right. I can go ahead and dig into that. Okay. This is it. This dig is it, the baby. big one. The, the Walking Dead number 48 by Robert Kirkman, Charlie Adler, and Cliff uh, Rathburn. So as we saw at the uh, end of the last issue, the prison has fallen to the governor and the people of Woodbury. In a panic, Rick retreats inside to gather his wife and children. In their cell, he finds Lori on her knees, clutching little Judith, that's their baby daughter, uh, clutching little Judith to herself, 
with a shotgun pressed to the back of her head by Nurse Alice. Now remember, Nurse Alice was, was originally from Woodbury too. Rick begs Alice to spare them, but Alice, horrified, tells him that this was all a setup. They suspected that the prison had fallen and thought that if the governor's men found them this way, that she might be able to convince them that uh, she was still on their side and that somehow she might also be able to convince them uh, to take Lori and the children alive. They'd be prisoners, but at least they'd be alive and uh, you know maybe they'd stand some chance of, of rescue or escape later. So relieved, Rick hugs his family close and, and holds them. And after a moment, Alice reluctantly reminds them that, uh, or reminds Rick that they should be going. So Rick takes up the bag of supplies and uh, tells Lori that his plan, such as, it, such as it is, is to just haul ass out of the prison to the truck and try to escape. And he tells them all not to stop for anything, no matter what happens. This will work. They just need to hurry. So out in the courtyard, Patricia, Billy, and Herschel are uh, pinned down under heavy fire. The governor... He's done negotiating, and he orders his forces inside with the simple instructions to kill everyone. Patricia, realizing that it's flee or die, starts to run, but Billy tries to stop her, and he's actually looking her right in the face when she takes a round in the back of the head and sprays her brains all over him. And Billy's stunned, uh, but his father grabs his hand, and the two make this mad dash for it, and they're dodging this barrage of gunfire. And they don't get far before Herschel realizes that he's dragging Billy's lifeless body, that his son has also taken a round through the head. Rick, Carl, Alice, Lori, and the baby emerge out a side door and cautiously survey the situation, preparing to make a dash for the truck. Rick calls to Herschel, and Herschel's just, uh, he's just sitting there. He's just cradling his dead boy and tears are streaming down his face and he defeatedly just tells Rick to just just leave me. So the governor, he spots, uh, he spots Rick's group and orders his troops to open fire and Alice covers the family as they make a break for it but she catches a round in the knee and she's defiant right to the end. She tries to continue to ward off these invaders but she's then disarmed and then executed by the governor who calls her a bitch. So he turns in, uh, the governor, I mean, he turns and orders Lily, uh, and she's one of the Woodbury troops, to take them out. And she fires, and both Lori and her baby are pretty much blown in half by this shotgun blast that uh, Lori catches right in her midsection. Rick is just completely horror-struck by this, and tears streaming down his face. He watches his wife and, and baby daughter crumple, you know, lifeless to this filthy prison yard ground and then he just he whirls around and he he just urges Carl not to stop keep running don't look back and Rick finally catches up to him just in time to pull him back by the scruff of the neck from this round that's whizzing right in front of his face and he tells Carl to forget about the truck that they're going to duck through this hole in the fence and they're going to take their chances outside the prison using the uh, slow moving zombies for cover and this works. The governor writes Rick off as, as good as dead out there among the biters. And he turns his attention back to Herschel. And he walks up to uh, Herschel. And he's just, Herschel's just lifeless. He's just sitting there mourning and grieving. And the governor just stands over him. And Herschel just begs him for death. And the governor just wordlessly just shoots him in the forehead. So then his attention is drawn to Lily, who's standing. And she's screaming, oh, God, oh, God, over and over again. And he goes over to her to see what she's freaking out about. And she whirls on him and calls him a monster. She says, look what you made me do. She screams right at, him, right at his face. And she's saying, you know, pointing down at Lori, she says, she was carrying a baby. You made me kill a baby. And she smashes him in the head with the butt of her gun. And he goes down and she jams the barrel of her shotgun right in his mouth. And looks like she's fully prepared to just waste him there on the spot. But then everybody's attention is drawn away to the uh, herd of zombies that are just pouring through this opening in the fence. And the governor uses this distraction to bat her in the face with the butter of her own weapon and he takes it away from her. And he turns and he starts barking orders back to his other troops when suddenly his just the whole side of his face just explodes. And it turns out that Lily had a handgun as well and she just blew the sick bastard's brains out. 
So she kicks him into this approaching swarm of zombies and they make a meal out of Philip Blake. So the last we see of Lily Call and the other surviving members of this Woodbury posse, they're retreating uh, with dwindling ammo back into the prison to try to get away from this zombie horde. And the grounds, which Rick and his group had worked so hard to win and clear and secure and make a home of, are once again overrun by the walking dead. And the zombies have retaken the prison and they're roaming aimlessly, mindlessly, everywhere. Up on an embankment outside the fences, Carl and Rick stop, gasping and panting to try to catch their breath. And Rick tells the boy not to look back, but Carl does and he says, where's my mom, where's Judy? And then there's this horrifying just realization comes over his face and Rick has to, to hold him back from going back for them. And he pulls Carl to him and on this hillside overlooking all the, the death and devastation down below, he just holds his son and the both of them just cry and they're just grieving. And just a few feet away, they're still being stalked by the walking dead. And that's the way the issue ends. And just, wow, what an issue. Yeah, there's no there, there's oh, no yeah. getting around it of how powerful of how important. I mean, you know, like like we were talking about before, we, we've we've seen people die. It's it's not like from the very beginning of this series, you know, characters who you like, you may not like, you don't care about, whatever, seem to kind of you know die at a drop of a hat, but it seemed like at this point, you know, four years into the series that Kirkman really had to send the message to the readers. Hey, shit can happen at any moment. And it's kind of being honest with the reader yeah. in, in a weird oh, way, yeah. because, because it would be just as easy. I mean, you know, you, you love Tyrell, you love, you love Rick, you love Carl, you love, uh, you know, you love, you know, last time we talked about Axel and how much we loved him. And, you know, yeah, it, it would be great to have those people around. But if you're going to play it real, if you're going to play it straight, if you're going to say that anybody can die at any moment, at some point, you have to show you got to pony up. You can die. Yeah, you got to pony up with that. And yeah. And 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 this is. And a lot of times they've turned an impossible or a bad situation to their advantage. And this time they did not, you know, at all. You know, it was a it was a really bad situation and it took a hard toll. I mean, the the last shot of this with with Rick and Carl just reminds me of the end of that first big arc where they first saw the prison and it's a big full page splash of them all going yes. like, Ooh, a prison. And you're like, Ooh, this is a good, you know, that's that, that, that could be a good thing. And then you see, you know, a year later, it's just Rick and Carl. <laughs> it's staggering I think that's away. completely intentional. Oh, yeah. The, the, that shot looking back, There's the, for, that's, you know. it looks like they're in the exact same place they were when they came upon it. And now here they right. go, and there's just two of them left, you know. I mean, there's a couple that are on it, you know. Uh, Glenn and Maggie are unaccounted for because they took out and uh, and um, Andrea and, and Dale, Dale and Andrea, Andrea are, yeah. are all unaccounted for because they took off, but Michonne and Michonne, but everybody from the prison is pretty much dead or Rick and Carl, <laughs> basically at this point. Mm. And I mean. There's all this death, but all on top of it, you know, Lori and the baby. That was, that's just, you know, that was a full page splash of her getting shot. And it's just, how often do you see in a, you know, in a comic, a baby getting shot, you know, not in some sort of weird, like parody shock value comic thing, but in, in a storyline thing, it's just, it's, it's, it's a harsh shot. Yeah, no, the thing is, I don't think this is... Well, it is shocking, but I don't think it's done specifically for shock no. value. It is, like you said, to reiterate the point that anyone can die in this. That this this is not... This is not the story. This is not a 
standard stereotypical zombie horror film where there was going to be some sort of hero in it who's going to save the day and win. No, anyone has the possibility of dying. And Kirkman uh, basically drew a line in the sand and said, yes, this is it. I'm going to make certain that this is as real as possible in this sort of fictionalized situation. Uh, even though there are zombies and strange forces going on, death will occur and death of anyone. So, yeah. One of the things that, that has always lingered for me with this particular issue is the thought that Rick saw them die. So he knows how it happened, but more importantly, he knows the state that they were left in, you know, presumably. And we never see, you know, anybody go over and like, you know, finish off Lori or the baby. So I would think that that must weigh heavily on Rick, that they will reanimate, you know, they'll be zombies. And what would that do to you, knowing that there's really nothing he could do, short of gathering a new band of people together and going back and clearing the prison a second time, which is going to be a hell of a lot harder now that the fence has been taken out. You know, just for the sole purpose of of putting his his wife and and daughter at peace. You know, what what would that do to you? You well, know, psychologically, the, what would that we're do? Find yeah, out exactly. In the very the next few issues, yeah. which Kirkman really uses the next few issues coming up. Not to say anything more about the story, but he really uses the next few issues after this to really twist that knife of anybody could die at any moment and really you know really make you question yeah what the future of this comic is gonna be and uh, I mm-hmm. think this is a big turning point also in Kirkman as to where he started to become more self-aware of the reaction that he was going to get from you know the reaction from this comic and in subsequent story arcs after this where people die and where it comes time for a character, you know, a character that you become attached to to buy it. It's, I think it's changed the way that he kills people these days. It's almost like critiquing a serial mm-hmm. killer. He's, you know, we're, we're, we're profilers with Kirkman. He's changing, he's evolving and changing the way he kills. But he is. Let me put on my sunglasses and, you know, we can cue up the who music. So. Ow! Well, I, you know, also, I, I think that this issue, I think another thing that may have added to the shock at the time that it happened was after all the stink that there was with Michonne being so brutally raped and, and the way she was treated in Woodbury by the governor and that whole thing, there was there was quite a big stink and a lot of flack about that. And for a time, I, and I kind of wonder if maybe I was just imagining the whole thing now, but for a time it did feel like maybe he pulled back a bit, you know, and it was starting to feel like maybe the book wouldn't be quite that edgy ever again. And then boom, this issue yeah. happens. And it's like, no, he hasn't missed a beat. He's still fully prepared to do what he has to do to be, you know, I hate to use the word realistic, you know, but but to give you that sense of it being truly, you know, if, if something like this could ever happen, this is very likely how it would happen is that, you know, in a real situation right. like this, nobody's going to be safe. And that includes... infants you know innocent babies and and things like that and i think again that's one of the things that's so powerful we're we're used to in this issue to in our comic book fiction having the good guys be sort of off limits for the most part you know and having having you know Mm -hmm. the good guys are going to make it through awful things might happen to them or whatever but in this one it's like real life it's like in 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 a situation like this where it might not necessarily be an advantage to be a good guy. It might be working a little in your detriment. So the good guys really take a pounding in this. And, and it's not right. 
you know it's not enough to be you know there's there's nothing a character does that qualifies them into the world of um fiction where they're quote unquote safe <coughs> i think he's kept rick right. around but for a long time to where rick is a fairly safe character for a while but that's only for a while you never know and you know and i don't think he there's really been the issue of like should we kill off rick or not because he's gonna work when it's rick's time to go it'll be he'll have it worked into the storyline of how that's supposed to work out rather than it's like we need to it's time to kill somebody off but but here's the other thing is as edgy as kirkman is in this you know killing the baby what i loved and it's like my favorite moment of the entire issue is that it's time for the governor to mm-hmm. die. Right, yeah. And, and it's almost like you needed that in this oh, issue. Oh, we've been waiting for it for a long time. Well, well, it, it, well it, beyond that, yeah, I, 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 this is going to sound terrible. What he did to Michonne was, was terrible, okay? And, and he paid for that, but I think a lot of us would have preferred him to pay permanently. And... The great thing about his death is one, the great things, I guess I should say, is one, it gives the audience what they want. At a time when you really need to give the audience what they want, because you just took a lot of favorite characters off the table. So there is a quid pro quo there. I can kill Lori, but at the same time, I have to also kill the governor because blood needs to be answered. We're going to see some zombies sink their teeth into his face yeah but the thing about it that's funny is now now we know who lily is but back then it was just like she was she just showed up and like she unceremoniously just like blows his head off and boots him into the zone here you go like a piece of meat i, I don't think it's unceremonious i think you know it it, it it was it leads into the kind of the second thing i wanted to talk about is it shows that the opposition force isn't a, aren't a bunch of mindless thugs that right. yes, they're following the governor, but when they realize exactly what they're doing, because it's all well and good, you know, we're going to go get the bad guy, and the governor was doing all of his, you know, propaganda, you know, they eat babies, and, yeah, no. you know, rape grandmothers and stuff like that. But, you know, when, when, when one of them has to kill an infant, I think, you know, it shows that, okay, she's had enough of his shit. And the fact that she... You know, if it wasn't for those zombies, she would have blown his head off with a shotgun. I mean, she would have made him eat a bullet. And the great thing about that is that you think he's going to get away, and then two pages later, bam! His brain matter is all over the ground. He bought himself about five seconds, yeah. (laughs) I freaking cheered when I read that the first time. I had a Scott Gardner watching Captain Marvel in... (laughs) <laughs> Superman, Batman, Public Enemies moment. <laughs> well, you and know, it was just it's so awesome. That moment is uh, honestly that that moment is probably just as ballsy for Kirkman as, as taking out Laurie and the baby because you're talking about an incredibly popular character. I mean, yeah. as much as we hated him, people loved him because oh, he yeah. was just the perfect despicable bad guy but i think what's what's incredibly ballsy about doing this is that for one you know you're you're like i say taking away a character that you could probably milk for a long time you know sales wise and things like that but i loved it because you know then you are essentially taking away what what could have become you know, Dr. Doom or Galactus, you know, because yeah. I, I would I would fear that if the governor had lived through this, you know, then then he could become he could easily fall into that same trap. of Pursue. Yes. You know, he, he's he's the popular villain. So, you know, whenever sales need a boost or, you know, whenever we're stuck for a storyline or whatever, then then we're going to trot out, you know the the big bad guy and i'm so glad that he didn't go down that route you know i'm so glad that he was like you said you know this guy needed to die to wrap this story up and that's that's precisely what we got yeah i I think that's incredible and i wonder 
you know, how he feels about that today. Does he still feel like that was a, a good move or is that something that he'd rethink now seeing as how, you know, the TV show is also bearing out, even though the, the, the governor on the TV show is a very, very different character. He's still incredibly popular. People like that character just because he's a sick freak, you know? But also something that just occurred to me that I can't believe I never thought about this before is that why, well, of course, this is spoiling ahead just a little bit, but Rick never does try to seek any revenge or anything after this Rick issue, doesn't, which strikes doesn't me as know odd because dead. Rick doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. Rick didn't see him die, so how does he know not to well try to get back, you Rick, know? Rick, yeah, I, Rick is going to get, well, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil, but Rick's not going to exactly, be in a revenge mood for the next few <laughs> right. issues. Right. Exactly. Hello. Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's all we have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, just, just a fantastic, I mean, it's everything you want out of this series. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, we, we live in a world, we live in a world. Where, you know, it's, 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 you know, the Dr. Doom comparison is fantastic. I mean, everyone loves Dr. Doom. Everyone loves the Joker, you know, but no one is going to take the Joker off the table because merchandising, you know, story potential. He's a mm -hmm. historic character and all that. But, you know, I got to agree with Jeff Loeb, who, who asserted you can't kill that many people without basically forfeiting your right to exist on planet Earth. And this series, from the very beginning, has all about been about bucking the trends of the comic book. And, you know, this isn't a superhero title. So the Doctor Doom comparison isn't exactly an apples for apples type of thing. Right. But at the same time, storytelling is storytelling. You know, you, you don't you don't kill all you know, you bring back Moriarty because he's a popular character, you know? You can't keep him off, you know, you can't keep him dead. But here, Kirkman, and I'm not saying he's a visionary. I'm not saying he's so brave for doing this because it's an independent book and he could pretty much do whatever he wants. You know, the book's going to sell regardless. Yeah, but since he's killed but the governor, there's been two books and now a TV show with the governor. So, yeah, but at the same time, that's not, you can always go back. And going back is fair because you know, it is kind of having your cake and eating it too. But beyond that, you're not having, you know, the epic return of the governor. You know, right. it's, it's not like one day the governor is going to turn back up and he's been, you know, he was found by Nazi scientists and put into a cloning <laughs> tank and all that. Scott suddenly likes this idea. That would um, be awesome. But he turns but no, out to be space Hitler. Yeah, exactly. Oh, awesome. You know, and, and it's not like, you know, zombie hunting, uh, rocketeer wearing, you know, Abraham Lincoln is going to come and help you <laughs> hunt him down. No, but he, you know, it, I, it's, it's being very honest with your audience. Like, okay, I told you I was going to do this. I did it. Now we're all going to have to live. That's, with that. that's the, what's kept me reading this book. And that's what's kept me enthralled with it and amazed that he's kept doing that, that he's kept that bargain pretty much all the way he's he's danced around the edges of it a few times and he's even maybe you know depending on who you're talking to crossed over the line here and there but for the most part he sort of yeah plays it like somewhat reality you know as much of reality <laughs> as you could expect during a right. zombie apocalypse and it it it's it's almost like you're it's almost like you're daring him you know or it's you know the the public is daring him to not fall into those comic conventions you know or and also everybody also expects with a book like this that usually after a period of time it's there's a jump the shark moment where it starts becoming a little goofy and they and they start getting bored and they're like Let's get a little more experimental and get a little. Let's do a comedic, what you know, or something like that. And he hasn't uh, hasn't stooped to that yet. Or yeah, you're not following the adventures of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of the Governor's Men 
where they happen right. to be in all of the historic, you know, the historic moments of the series. Right, yeah. So, let's do an epi- let's do an issue that's a lighthearted romp with these two characters at Woodbury that were yeah yeah no it's he's he's playing it straight up all the way and hasn't he has a broken character from the very beginning you know if he was an actor he has not broken out a character yet and it maybe in subtext there's been stuff that's referred to things but they've been things that have to do with the comic in general anyway, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's really a, a brave move to wipe out so many characters. I think he, I, I think he played it a little safe with, uh, getting rid of, uh, a whole camper load of, of beloved characters though, and keeping them out of this situation because if 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 those characters would have survived this situation it wouldn't have seemed as realistic you know this seemed like a real you know i mean basically at the end of it rick and and carl were lucky to be alive and everybody else was dead so if you had it you know so obviously he wanted to keep glenn you know and maggie and and um why can I not remember his name? Because he died. Andrea Dale, Dale, you know, and keep Dale. Dale alive. But, you know, so he had to just remove them from the situation, which, of course, happened issues and issues ago. So it doesn't seem like the work of the author. And it made total sense. If I were them, I would have done the same damn thing. So, yes, bravo. But I mean, reading this the first time, you know, brand new as it was coming out, you don't know, you know, what's going on with those other characters. Just because you don't see them, right? You know, doesn't mean that they're in alive regular, or dead. In a regular you really don't comic, know. you're guaranteed they're alive. But in The Walking Dead, they could they could right. come across, you know, the 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 issue after this could be him and Carl finding the camper overturned half a mile down well, the, the road. camper got got demolished oh, that's right. too you know that truck ran into it and andrea was knocked off the top of the camper onto the ground so we don't know her fate you that's know right. she could be zombie chow at this point we don't we don't know that's right zombie chow but, you know if you if you were looking at the letters pages from the series too you know over and over and over again they had people writing in with basically the same story that i had which was you know, don't really like horror comics. You're not really into the whole zombie thing. But damn, you sucked me in, you know, just because it's a really good comic. And so a lot of people were were familiar with the book and loved the book because it was a comic, despite the whole horror thing. So I wonder sometimes, you know, if the horror strikes us that much harder if you're approaching it from from a comic standpoint rather than you know from the whole zombie standpoint what i mean is you know characters will come and go from a regular comic book series all the time you know you'll you'll get new characters they'll come in for a while and then you know for whatever reason they'll get written off or disappear or whatever but generally a core remains and up till now the core in this book had pretty much been rick and his family you know, now all of a sudden, with what Kirkman pulls in this issue, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like Clark Kent, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and Perry White are running ca- across a field and only, you know, half of them make it. You know, it, it had that kind of pack, you know, pack that kind of a punch to it. Like, holy cow, you just took out two of your core characters. Two of your four core characters are now off the table. That's pretty wild, you know, because, I mean, suddenly there are no untouchables, which is what he'd been saying the whole time. But honestly, up till now, was there have we lost a character that any of us really felt was a true untouchable? And I I don't think so. You know, Laurie. Tyrese almost. Maybe Tyrese. It It was pretty hard to see Tyrese go. It was pretty just, you know, it was shocking. But no, I mean, Laurie and the baby, definitely not, because for one, just you, the the idea of keeping it, the story idea of having a baby there and, and the baby just got there, 
it's right. it's another thing where where Kirkman confounds that thing where it's like he well he'd want to keep the baby around because, um, you know there's there's that whole story element it'll make things interesting and and you can't and you know you can't kill the baby. I think, I think, I think one of the things that makes it so uh, impactful is the fact that you know we saw Tyrese get killed, but. Tyrese got killed because he went out and tried to mess with the government. In the line of duty, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lori and the baby were truly innocent. They they had done nothing against the governor. They didn't deserve this. So I think that just makes the whole their whole death that more meaningful in the in the scope of the story. Uh, everyone else, you know, had had arcs and were doing things to try and, uh, you know, Alice was, you know, left Woodbury to go help the people at the prison. Tyrese, you know, uh, tried to infiltrate the governor's camp and mess things up. So their deaths, although they make more sense, you know, horrible. They, yeah, they make more sense. It's, it's sort of retribution. Lori and the baby have done nothing. So their deaths are that more horrific because there is, there's no reasoning behind yeah, and that's, it. And it's that's, just death for death. And, that's, and Lily realized, you know, that that's how they were. Were were a mother and a and a baby, you know, with the mother running for their lives, a mother trying to save her baby. That's all it was. You know, Lori wasn't. Neither neither of them were. You know, Lori didn't have a. I, she might have had a gun, but she wasn't really a fighter. But she wasn't yeah, actively. no, she was holding the baby and and trying to get the baby out alive, and. uh you know, and I like that they they did point out that the Woodbury people were normal people. The for the guy who shot uh, Billy, you know, as soon as he shot Billy and realized that Billy was just a kid, he started crying, you know. And the governor was just like, "Whatever, they're animals, shoot them." And you could tell the guy was just like, "Okay, governor, whatever, man." You know, you could tell everybody was pretty much starting I mean, to figure it out like, that the governor was like they were they were playing out the governor. He was totally Jim Jones yes. in the whole the whole group of yeah. Them. Yes. yeah. And it's got to be kind of like, and I'm not, this isn't a judgment call on anybody, but people, maybe soldiers in World War II or Korea or even Vietnam especially, that were suddenly placed in, you know, kind of morally compromising positions where they had to kill a bunch of people that they may not have thought deserved to die, but they're soldiers, so they do what they, they're told because that's what they've been trained to do. And you get that kind of cold, like, okay, what, like that whatever, man, you know, he could have easily been just wearing, you know, like a helmet and had a, you know, the greens on mm-hmm. and everything. So, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's the heart of this book. And we, we've talked about this, you know, countless times on the show. And you guys covered it before, you know, the rest of us were asked to come on this crazy train, which I love. Um, is this, the, the book isn't about zombies, you know. And, and and yeah, it's, it's obvious puppies. to say that. The what? It's about puppies. Aww. Yeah, it's about puppies. No, it's a it's <sighs> it's about, and it's why I've always considered zombie fiction to be kind of like the 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 nuclear war genre mm-hmm. of this generation. Is this is really about the fall of society? Yeah. This is right. about how we. Di- it's about the fall of society, and even deeper than that, just about how we die. This is about death. It's about you, but that's yeah. horror anyway, you know. But, but this is like the most yeah, visceral. But... This is like, death is coming to get you, and and when death comes to get you, up pops more death to get more people. You know, it's it's just, it's slow and it marches towards you, and it's pretty much unavoidable. You know. So so seeing the governor, have a Jim Jonesian, hold on his people seeing his his man just kind of giving up and not caring anymore and then seeing lily being the one to step forward and shoot their you know the the lieutenant that's going to get everybody killed because really i think at that point not only did they realize that they were doing something morally reprehensible but this guy was going to get them killed mm-hmm. at some point they weren't because... doing this for anybody's good they were doing this just for yeah. out of revenge for him and he was the yeah, only one and... who wanted that revenge. Nobody else really wanted it. They did maybe from the story he told, but it was starting to become clear that he might have been full of shit with that story. 
Yeah, it's just like, at what point do you kind of realize that, well, you know, may maybe they aren't baby killers and maybe they don't, you know, eat their own and et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Well, as as stated in the last episode, and I and uh, Mike and and uh, Sean, did, I don't know if you listened to the last Walking Dead Wednesday, but if you don't want to be spoiled, you cover yours now. Wait, this is being recorded? Yeah. Co co cover oh, yours shit. now, uh, but, you know, Lily... Lily's the subject of the, the second Walking Dead book. And you totally see it's it's really well crafted because you totally see why she would be the person to put the gov the bullet in the governor's head. Right. She almost she tried to <laughs> in the last book, spoiler. You know, she she actually uh you know, try organized a, a little mini attempted coup with Martinez on the governor. So she was pretty, you know, she was questioning him from the beginning. And she pretty much flat out hated him up to a certain point. So, and and I think that book was pretty much about how the governor was able to keep her in his inner circle up until that point, you know. Even after she'd, she'd tried to kill him before. But, um... I thought that was a, a brilliant move to it was it was really funny because wow, how many years ago did this comic come out like three years ago four years ago Somewhere around five, five years ago I think I think yeah this was 2008 it's, it, it, it seems and and then after reading the book of the you know the characterization of of Lily was so good that when she pops up in the in the comic and I don't know maybe he did have a whole backstory for for that character in the comic but you know when i saw her when you know she pops up and the first thing you know the governor's telling her you know sh you know shoot those guys it's like oh there's lily and just the few lines and actions that she had i could see all that backstory in it and almost as if uh you know this comic came out just after the book you know and uh you know, heavy with all the story of the book. So very good writing on Kirkman's part and, you know, back working himself through the timeline backwards and forwards. And I agree. Oh, go ahead. I said, I agree. Oh, oh good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much all I really had important that's it that's it for this time next issue rick and carl get ice cream. yeah they find the it's and it's like it's like 22 pages 22. like it never freaking happened and it... what flavor would you get after, <laughs> well it was soft serve like it was rocky road rocky road well, <laughs> you guys, if you guys remember you guys must not have reread it yet but it was soft serve and i would have gotten the, the chocolate and vanilla swirl Best of both I words. so wish I so wish I could see zombie Tom Carvel right now. <laughs> With zombie cookie puss. Yes, zombie cookie puss. We got a wonderful way of <laughs> of ice cream and chocolate from beyond the grave called Cookie Puss. I am Cookie Send. Puss. Send more cookie puss. Send more praise. <laughs> You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. 
All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts, for more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying goodnight. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.